Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, players? This is the talk of champions, franchise player. Always boss player. Forever. It's an overreaction Monday edition of Franchise Player. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. The Ole Miss Spirit on three. He's David Johnson. He writes for Inside the Rebels. 247 Sports in Kentucky Week, the week we've all been waiting for for a month. The preseason, it's over. Kentucky Week is here. Hey, buddy. Woohoo! Yeah, it is. Um, Ole Miss moves up two spots in both major national polls. Ole Miss is ranked number 11 in the AFCA poll. I think Kentucky is ranked number eight. Kentucky's seven in AP. Ole Miss is what in AP? I think 14. Both teams are unbeaten. Tulsa didn't change anything about this game at all. I mean, this should uh, this is this is where it's at this week. I mean, and why college game day decided to go to Clemson, North Carolina State is besides me. Who really cares? Let's just play this game. Let's 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 go. This is going to be a fun week. You know what my biggest overreaction is this Monday? I don't feel nearly is bad about where things stand after the Tulsa game. David and I did a post-game show, and let's be honest, it was a hard post-game show to get excited about where Ole Miss was after that performance against Tulsa. But when you look at it and you look at college football just in general, Kentucky struggled with Northern Illinois, Georgia struggled with Kent State, and I know no one wants to hear that, but let down games like we mentioned in that post-game show, they do happen, and Ole Miss won. So I look at where they are today and all the injuries that have piled up and, and holding out J.J. Pegues and Kari Coleman, their best or most disruptive defensive lineman. Well, Kari Coleman's a linebacker, but you know what I'm saying, is a pass rusher. Uh, and you consider Zach Evans, even though Quinshawn Judkins was amazing, Zach Evans was missing in the second half and they didn't score a point. There's a lot of things to be discouraged by, but they also won the game. And that was really the only thing they needed to do to get the preseason over to be done with the preseason and now focused yeah. on Kentucky. Because if you think about where they are today entering Kentucky, which is the first of an eight-game SEC sprint to the finish here, they have their quarterback settled. They know what their identity is. Defensively, they weren't good against Tulsa. But now they have some tapes and, yeah. and, and say, this is where we have to correct. Um, obviously, rushing three and dropping eight against a really good quarterback is probably not going to be the formula for success here. A lot of different things they could take from that tape. And Ole Miss is 4 Ole Miss is 4 and that's where they had to be entering Kentucky. So they're still tracking the way they're supposed to. And I, it's not like Kentucky did anything to impress you this weekend. Honestly, I don't know which fan base should or did feel worse after their game on Saturday, Ole Miss or Kentucky. Yeah, and let me make a full disclaimer here. Just stop everything, and I'm going to make a disclaimer. I took a couple of uh, – prescribed medication pills Sunday night at about eight o'clock. 
and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I will not be driving a vehicle today. Um, Basically, you're hearing from Zombie David. That's what you're getting at. Listen, I am Zombie David this morning, and and I had to take them. I, I was dealing with some some cold and flu symptoms over the weekend, and yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm with you this morning, but you will not see me driving a vehicle today. Uh, <laughs> that's that's just all there is to it, or a golf cart, or anything else. Uh, this is going to be kind of pecking order game in the SEC. Yeah, Kentucky's in the East, Ole Miss is in the West. It counts as an SEC game, just the same. Uh, the way I see this thing playing out, Ben, I see a shootout. I wouldn't have told you that prior to the Tulsa game because the Ole Miss defense had been playing so well. As you mentioned, missing a couple of key parts on Saturday, but you know they may be missing a couple of key parts this Saturday for all we know. Um, we know they're going to miss Otis Reese in the first half uh, due to the suspension. I think this is going to be one of those classic 42-37, like what we saw up in Lexington back in 2020, kind of kind of shootout games. Um, the, the difference, the ball, I, I think, uh, this defense can actually get a stop. That defense could no, not no. get a stop. I, I, listen, I agree. Kentucky's defense can get a stop as well. Kentucky's offense is probably better. It is better than what it was in 2020. Um, Ole Miss's offense is probably overall, it's different than what it was in 2020 at least. Uh, but I think this is going to be a high-scoring shootout. Probably the team with the ball last wins. I don't know if I'm quite there. I am interested in how the line's already moved. You asked me after the game on Saturday. You said, hey, what do you yeah. think the opening line is going to be for Ole Miss, Kentucky? And I said minus three. And sure enough, open minus three. And it's already moved to, I think, minus six and a half in favor of Ole Miss. So I don't know what's going on there because when you look at Kentucky, not only is Will Levis an NFL quarterback, but Chris Rodriguez, the leading SEC returning rusher, I think I said that right, is finally yeah. back after being cleared of an NCAA matter, whatever that was. So they're going to have their – Top running back, Will Levis is locked and ready to go. Wide receivers are really talented. They're going to be challenged as Ole Miss with this offense, but I think Ole Miss can score. The only, of course, discouraging thing is that Ole Miss didn't score a point in the second half against Tulsa. But Ole Miss is 16-3 and three in its last 19 games. I think sometimes we can all get a little nitpicky because we're not used to how different Ole Miss is than it used to be. Right. Well, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees because we're in the woods, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we're taking it week by week. And when I say we're, I mean, I mean, Ole Miss fans are taking it week by week. But you go back and look at that, what you just brought up, 16-3 and three over the last 19 games. This is an Ole Miss team that loses rarely. Um, so, so you're right to have some faith in it. Everybody's right to have some faith in them. We'll see what happens Saturday, but – 16 and three over 19 games, Ben. I mean, that that's impressive. Mm -hmm. That's among some of the best in the nation. Ole Miss fans are kind of wired, and, and justifiably so, from the historical perspective of Ole Miss football, to believe the worst, to think that Ole Miss is going into or walking into a pretty comparable opponent, a matchup with a pretty comparable opponent, at a disadvantage just because it's Ole Miss. But Ole Miss has been that for other teams for 16 of 19. Under Lane Kiffin, the way you think and, and approach games has to be a little bit different. Even coming off of a disappointing win, it wasn't a loss. It wasn't a disappointing loss. It wasn't an upset. 
it maybe could have been. And yes, the final score showed that it could have been, but almost was really never threatened as far as losing on Saturday no. poorly as they no. played. And that's different than what we're used to with Ole Miss football. Yeah, I never felt like they were going to lose the game at all. Even when it was 35-27 and Tulsa was, you know, trying to score and go for a two-point, tie it up, sent it overtime. Look, I, I never felt that game was 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 out of the grasp, if you will. Uh, the bottom line is, and Lane brought this up in the press conference afterwards, you know, this is a team that did not, they did not deliver a knockout blow to Tulsa. Tulsa went in at the half. They were trailing 35-17. They made some adjustments. I think Ole Miss looked at what they were doing in the second quarter and pretty much said, you know, we're okay. We don't really need to make a lot of adjustments. But Tulsa Tulsa out-adjusted them at the half. They still only scored 10 points, but Ole Miss didn't score points. And that's why it was what it was, you know. It it was. It was. And – you know, in, a, in some difficult situations in terms of adjusting as well, you 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 game plan, you practice all week getting ready to play Davis Brent at quarterback, uh, who is more of a pocket-style passer and all of that. Not to say that was working because Brent threw for over 100 yards in the first quarter, but then all of a sudden, as Lane pointed out, you got a quarterback in there with some wheels. And you know, you got to make those on the run adjustments as well in the game. It was just a weird game. I mean, the Ole Miss gets a pass for it because they got a victory. Um, and uh, man, I can't wait to see the X and O's between Mark Stoops and Lane Kiffin on Saturday. Um, and Stoops, I think, really and truly, probably the most underrated head coach in the SEC. He gets it done up there at Kentucky. He's been getting it done now for a long time. And, and he'll have a package ready to try to slow down Lane. We know Jackson Dart is the starter. And we've known that now for three weeks. But, you know, you, you wanted the official word really for the first time. And you pointed this out on the postgame podcast. Lane finally called Luke Altmaier the backup. So, you know, now there, there's the situation of, okay, what if Jackson Dart <clears throat> sprains an ankle? You know, in the fourth quarter versus versus Kentucky, who comes in at quarterback? If it's a if it's a situation where Dart would be able to bounce back and be the starter the next week, who comes in at quarterback, Ben? Is it Kincaid Dan now? See, that's what I don't know because I get what they're what he was saying, even though he didn't kind of lay it out what the plan was. But he said there's a plan that he's already discussed with Luke Altmaier and his family, oh. to which, like I said in the post game, tells me that they're going to preserve his red shirt if at all possible, assuming that Jackson Dart, something doesn't befall him that's catastrophic. So in that situation, how it plays to Luke Altmaier's potential red shirt will have to be factored in, and that's a, that's a tough place to be. I think for now, if, for example, Jackson Dart rolled his ankle against Kentucky, Luke Altmaier is coming into that game because that's still – you have four games – to preserve a red shirt for a potential transfer or whatever it might be in this plan. Cause with this plan, and I appreciate the honesty from every angle from Lane Kiffin, from, Altmaier, from his family, they recognize it for what it is. He was given a legitimate shot. And you could argue that Jackson Dart always had a built in advantage because of the recruiting and because of uh, the NIL stuff and 
the high profile nature of the pursuit of Ole Miss and Jackson Dart, you could argue that it was always built in or baked in that Jackson Dart was ultimately going to be the starter. I mean, I've said that essentially on this podcast since March. Still, if there's a chance for Luke Altmyer to step in and seize control and lead Ole Miss to wins, then uh, certainly Luke Altmyer and his family aren't going to stand in the way of that because they still are Ole Miss Rebels as of this exact moment in this season. Part of being an Ole Miss Rebel is doing what you can to help Ole Miss win, but also factoring in the future of Luke Altmyer, which is if it happens against Kentucky and Ole Miss needs a quarterback and there's some doubt about Jackson Dart's availability for the next week, Luke Altmyer is a quarterback. However, if uh, Jackson Dart got banged up and Ole Miss is getting raised, it's not like Luke Altmyer is going in. Kincaid Dent's going in. I do appreciate the honesty because mm. that was brutally honest. A scenario will play out. I mean, Dart goes down late in the ball game and sustains some type of issue where he can't play for two weeks, but in two weeks he's going to be extremely healthy. You know, what happens then? Does Altmyer go, okay, I'll, I'll finish this game out. I'll start the next one. I'll I'll use my red shirt opportunity up, and then Jackson darts back. You know, so that that's that's a potentially intriguing storyline. Is the reason Jackson Dart has kind of separated himself and established himself as a starting quarterback is because of his running ability? Because I think so. Yeah, I I think that's a factor. I mean, I mean, I think it's the but, biggest factor with their identity as a running team. But 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 you know what. You know, and the reason we're talking about this this morning is Jackson Dart needs to run like a running quarterback and not like a dead gum fullback when he's in the open field taking all the licks. Yeah, because that's what we talked about last year. That's exactly what we this, we've had this exact same conversation with all those quarterbacks recently. Even going so far, far back as Chad Kelly, just slide, please, just slide. Because I appreciate the competitiveness and wanting to send a message to your teammates. Matt Corral did it. Chad Kelly did it. And now Jackson Dart is doing it. But we saw what happened when Matt Corral got hit wrong doing that last yeah. year and how Ole Miss had to kind of just prop him up and, and everybody had to elevate around him simply because exactly. Matt Corral wasn't 100%. Exactly. And, and you know, the fact Matt Corral wasn't 100% down the stretch, you know, might have cost Ole Miss a couple more wins. Uh, in fact, I think it did. You saw what Matt Corral could do that night up in Knoxville at Tennessee when it was reckless abandon. We're going to beat these guys. Let's go. And he went. But, you know, that ankle got injured that night. And, uh, you know, he never was quite the same Matt Corral after that in terms of running the football. You don't want that to happen to Jackson Dart. So, you know, Somebody needs to have a serious conversation with Jackson about, look, you are not built, and maybe you are built to take on SEC DBs, you know, in a in a head-to-head situation, but don't do it. Just don't do it. I mean, I mean, how many times do we see Jackson Dart flipping the air like a bottle cap Saturday? When he literally he, flipped on a tackle, he I, yeah. I, I cringe. I was like, oh God. I mean, it looks cool and like, oh hell yeah. Jackson Dart is is putting everything on the line for his team. He's showing his teammates he's here. He's engaged in the fight. It isn't worth the one or two extra yards you get. Just come on. You got to think of your long-term viability here because you're the starting quarterback now. So you yeah, got to protect saw, yourself. I saw multiple photos after the game. I'm sure you did too of Jackson Dart coming down on his head, shoulder pads, after flipping uh, in the middle of the air. I mean, spinning. 
Like I literally mean, flipping. Yeah. I mean, quit it. Just 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 don't do that. I think it was one time during the game against Tulsa, and it was in the second half. He was going down the sideline, and all he had to do was step out. And rather than step out, he stepped into the pursuing defender. And I'm thinking, for what? You didn't gain another yard. You just welcomed unnecessary contact. And God forbid you get hit awkwardly and just you back spasm or something. Just stop. It's okay. I appreciate the competitiveness. We all get the point. It's great. We know that you'll go in there and mix it up when you need to, but sometimes you don't need to. You don't need to. So just step out of bounds. Well, anyway, well, you know, potential scenarios. We're, yeah. we're, we're, well, talking. we're talking about injuries and trying to prevent one for Jackson Dart by hoping that he slides. I'm looking at, as, I, as we approach Kentucky here, who Ole Miss will get back. And Lane Kiffin said after the game against Tulsa that J.J. Pegues would have played if, if he, they needed him to, but they felt they could hold him and still win against Tulsa. You should be able to line up against Tulsa even without your best disruptive nose tackle and win. And Ole Miss did that. But J.J. Pegues, he should be back this weekend. Kari Coleman, we think, will be back this weekend. Where's Jalen Robinson? Yeah, you know, again, I go back to that little flippant comment made, Lane made back in the, in the in, in fall camp of, you know, Jalen hanging out in the training room and Lane suggesting, well, why don't you just, uh, why don't you just take a red shirt this year? <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, he's he's kind of disappeared. Lane doesn't really talk about injuries a whole lot. We do know Jalen's been banged up since fall camp and to some extent. Um, I think it's mostly it, hamstring it, stuff with him. Yeah, it, it is. And, and listen, I, I mean, he's given Jordan Watkins an opportunity because if Jalen Robinson is healthy, I don't think we've seen very much of Jordan Watkins. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if Mr. Robinson wants to play some football this weekend. Maybe he does. Maybe he was just like, hey, it's the preseason. It's it's non-conference. I'm going to heal up real good. We'll see what happens. There is no off time other than the one off week. There is no off time. Every opponent's going to be tough, and you need Jalen Robinson healthy. And I think he's going to be available for the weekend against Kentucky still. He just hasn't been out there. So if you get back J.J. Pegues, Jalen Robinson, Kari Coleman, Ulysses Bentley's a long ways away. What is he dealing with? Ulysses Bentley, I, I, it's a lower body injury. I don't know if it's ankle, hamstring, knee, what, but it is lower body. Did it surprise you that Zach Evans goes down? You're without Ulysses Bentley against Tulsa, and you still didn't see Control Bullock? You know, it kind of did, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, there were whispers in fall camp that Bullock was probably not going to get much action, not coming from the coaching staff, but just amongst the media. And uh, that has proven to be true. Um, I think you're going to ride Zach Evans. You're going to ride Quinshawn Judkins. And, uh, and and look, let's be honest here, too. One of the reasons you haven't seen Kentrell Bullock is the fact that Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins are both running like Her Herschel Walker in 1980. I mean, they're looking great out there. So Yeah, I'm not sacrificing touches for Quinshawn Judkins when yeah. – both yeah. of those other guys are out. I'm just going to feature that guy. It's, it's no knock on Kentrell Book. It's just Quinshawn Judkins is that much better. Right yeah, Judkins is a, he can carry it 25 times, 30 times a game if he needs to, and he's 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 done it. And uh, you know Zach Evans is there, and 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 you know we were talking about you know which is one A, which is one B, and are you ready to flip those to maybe Judkins being one A and Evans being one B? Probably not, but. Nah. Uh, 
But Judkins is uh, man, he's coming on strong. I mean, this this guy ought to be SEC freshman of the year. He's certainly in the conversation for it if he keeps it up. Well, the medical thing that Zach Evans was dealing with and not appearing in the second half against Tulsa was a hit pointer, and he's expected to play against Kentucky. Caleb Warren got banged up too, and his snaps were bad. And if you're going to ask me one thing after resetting after a couple of days, letting the result be what it was, analyze it, there is one thing that keeps sticking out to me as a negative, and that is the snaps. Yeah, they've got to clean that up because uh, those things end up in catastrophe against SEC opponents, and they will. They'll clean that up. It, it, it's not It's not that difficult to snap the football. They'll fix that, though. And as far as the pass protection goes, Ben, you know, you go back and you rewatch the game and you pick up things that you didn't see live, but a lot of times that outside pressure coming against the Ole Miss quarterback was coming from the tight end position mm. and that man's responsibility. So got to get better at blocking. And um, look, I mean, let's be honest, it's Michael Trigg. Uh, he, he's he's got to get it, get it going. There are times when – you don't go out on pass routes. You need to you need to block. And I didn't see a lot of blocking coming from the tight end position on Saturday against Tulsa, which, you know, overall equivocates to the offensive line. But uh, some of those obligations belong to him. Well, I saw Casey Kelly take two in one play, and it was awesome. But that was few yeah. and far between. That, that stuck out like right. such a sore thumb. Well, that's why I tagged Michael Trigg to the tight end position problem mm-hmm. because – Casey Kelly likes to put his hand in the dirt and make contact and block. Um, I, I I just didn't see that out of trick. And I'm not trying to be overly critical, but I can't say tight end position and there'd be two guys there and, 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 and put the blame on one guy who did his job without calling out the other guy. I've been kind of surprised at the lack of featuring Michael Trigg through four weeks. Is that by design, you think, as Ole Miss prepares for an eight game and they were still a little vanilla against Tulsa, or is just Michael Trigg still settling in here? I don't know. You know, we've heard a lot of, about Trigg in terms of him not being a great practice player, but he shows up at the game. We all know he owns all the physical tools to be a star in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still got to work. You know, the stars in the SEC, man, they work their tails off to make sure that they can be stars. And anyway, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'll just say this. We have to block better. We have to block better. Because uh, what Tulsa was bringing from the edge is nothing compared to what we're going to see over the course of the next nine weeks, playing eight SEC games in nine weeks. And you mentioned we have an open date. We do, but it's in November. You, th- you think about this. It's September 26th. All the way until the first weekend of November, you're playing an SEC opponent. This is your season. It's starting right now. And I love the way the schedule sets up just because you beat Kentucky. To be honest with you, and I watched Auburn play Saturday. Oh, my God. Probably the worst Auburn team I've, I've seen in a long, long time there. They're hard. Um, yeah, Ole Miss is going to beat Vandy. They're going to beat Nashville. They're going to win in Nashville. They're going to beat Auburn. At that point, you're 7-0, and and, and you're going to Baton Rouge with an opportunity to leave their 8-0 with A&M and Alabama being the next two on your schedule. Um, 
this is a sieve. Look, look, we don't know which way this is going to go. We think it's going to go positive. I think it's going to go positive. But here it is. It has arrived. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance. And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. Your Ole Miss baseball rebels are national champions. Yes, that really happened. Your eyes did not deceive you. And what better way to celebrate since we all spent way too much money getting to and back home from Omaha than with a new car. Well, the only place to buy a car in Oxford, Mississippi is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They'll get you in the car you want at a price point that you can afford. Give them a call today, 662-234-8000. Ask Brian or Mason to tell them talk. Talk of Champions sent you because now Talk of Champions actually makes sense. Ole Miss Baseball won a national championship and they'll get you in your dream car with your Ole Miss Omaha Magnet planted right there on the driver's side door. They're located at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Contact them today, 662-234-8000. That's Alan Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of the national champion. Talk of Champions podcast. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Talk of Champions is also brought to you in part by my bookie. You know football, and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for them at my bookie? Bet single-game spreads, money lines, or parlay multiple together to increase your payouts. Low contest entry fees and over half a million to be won make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just visit mybookie.ag, mybookie.ag, and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, to get your first deposit matched dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. MyBookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Uh, let's go through the players. Jalen Robinson, you expect him for Kentucky? Just a yes or no? I've kind of halfway expected him every game we've played and haven't seen him yet. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yes. J.J. Pegues? Yes. I'm going to say yes, too. Kari Coleman? Yes. See, I'm going to say no. Ulysses Bentley, no. Zach Evans, I think he's a yes for both of us. Caleb Warren with his knee. Caleb's tough, man. He he'll he will uh I, I say yes. If he can't play or if he's limited anyway, is it Eli Acker next? I think you move Acker to center and then uh maybe somebody like Cedric Melton gets a start at guard or um uh, Jalen Cunningham, possible. What about Mason Brooks? Oh yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, Brooks will start at guard. Yeah. And the line is six and a half in favor of Ole Miss. Give me the formula then. Okay, because I think a lot of Ole Miss fans, when they look at that line, go, oh, that's too big. Ole Miss played terrible on Saturday. Look, like I said, you play a lot of games, and Ole Miss has played four preseason games and won them all. They're not all going to be winners. Now, Ole Miss has won all those games. But what I mean by they're not all going to be winners is not every one of them you're going to come out and go, oh, yeah, Ole Miss is the shit. Ole Miss is about to take it to this eight-game SEC schedule. Sometimes you just need the tape to show you where you have some areas that are a little bit not weaker – but not where they need to be, uh, maybe comparatively to what you thought they were at the beginning of the year. So almost does have that on tape now with Kentucky. I mean, you could point to Chris Partridge rushing three and dropping eight against a really good quality passing quarterback, and it didn't work because Ole Miss can't generate pass rush and disruption just with three. It doesn't matter that it's Tulsa, and they didn't have J.J. Piggies. So maybe now that tells you that Ole Miss needs to be more aggressive. There are just certain things that the coaches and players can probably pop on as far as the film is concerned that are more constructive because of the way that game played out. And that, that sounds very homerish, and I don't mean for it to. But it, they hadn't been really challenged in any meaningful way through three weeks until Tulsa. So there are some things on tape now that are teachable for Ole Miss preparing for Kentucky. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, go, wait a second, how does Ole Miss beat Kentucky? Kentucky hasn't impressed either. I mean, they haven't been overly impressive through four weeks either, and they barely hung on against Northern Illinois. So – Every team goes through it. No team is perfect. Not all of them are going to be winners, but Ole Miss has won all their games. So if the line is moved, that tells me, even with Chris Rodriguez, 
the leading SEC returning rusher from last year, coming back at running back for Kentucky, and with Will Levis, an NFL quarterback, Ole Miss is equal, if not a little bit better overall talent-wise than Kentucky, and they're at home. So those things matter. And uh, if you assume that Ole Miss is going to be better than they were against Tulsa, which they will, there's, it's going to be a packed stadium. Um, they're going to get a bunch of their you know, injured guys back then I assume Ole Miss will be favored in this game and should win, assuming it plays cleaner and doesn't go out and just lay a complete second-half egg. And really, the second-half egg wasn't so much the defense than the offense. Yeah, I can agree with everything you just said. I think Ole Miss fans should expect to win this game, should be disappointed if they don't win this game. Um, if it were in Lexington, maybe I would I would be a little different on that. Probably Kentucky should expect to win, but – I think the home field advantage and, and, you know, it's got to be a home field advantage. It cannot be a repeat of Tulsa because I'm telling you, I think this game is going to be on the line in the fourth quarter. And if that stadium is as empty as it was Saturday versus Tulsa with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you, you have no home field advantage. So I'll tell you, but when it comes to this attendance thing, and it's become a thing online, you've seen it on Twitter, you've seen it on our message board. It's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. Sure. It's it's happening all across the country. It's like we forget that a generational pandemic shut the world down. I mean, there were cardboard cutouts in the stands two years ago. And a lot of people got really comfortable just chilling at home going, oh, I can just watch the game. I can go grab a beer out of the fridge. I got my yeah. own little bathroom, my own private bathroom. I don't have to load up the family. Going to an Ole Miss game has become so much more expensive than it used to. And a lot it of that has expensive. to do with it's the cost of doing business, but it's hard for a family of four to go to every single game. And it's not just it, at Ole Miss. You it, look around the country, there are empty seats everywhere. Yeah, it has become a, uh, a, a, a an event um, that you have to pay handsomely for. And it's a hassle. Who likes to park two miles from the stadium and get on a, a, a crappy public shuttle and, and go into the stadium? It, it's it's a difficult endeavor for the average fan to to come to Oxford, get a, an outrageously priced hotel room, get to the stadium, have to have to hitch a ride into the stadium. I, I mean, it, it, it's and look, I, I mean, you could probably do it for 600 bucks if you're just taking a family of four to a game and you get a Coke. It, but that's just the getting getting into the game part. I mean, you got to if, – if you again, if you're that Ole Miss fan from Hattiesburg, I, I mean, you got to lay down the cash to come to the game, period. Not just getting your tickets and all of that, but just the, the outside functionaries. I mean I – mean, you know, generally on Friday nights, we'll go out and eat at um, La Perla, a Mexican restaurant here in Oxford. I can't get in there any longer the the night before the game. You just can't. Um, you know, so you're going to wait. You got to wait. Everything's expensive. I get it. I get it, man. I mean, you know, I don't know what the answer is either. And, 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 you know, those guys who are making $10,000 donations to the Ole Miss Athletic Association, God bless them. But don't be so hard on the Rebel fans who are, 
who are out there, you know, paying five bucks for a loaf of bread at Kroger and the paycheck's not, not going as far as it once did. You could help this from a scheduling standpoint administratively where I think Ole Miss, you open in an Ole Miss hot spot like Atlanta or maybe it's Dallas, maybe it's New Orleans, where people, some of your fans who usually don't get to see games can come see a game and you still get the revenue that you're looking for that you would probably get better than, you know, Central Arkansas or even Tulsa. I do like the preseason and then SEC games. I think that's the right formula, but you could make it where it's not three straight home games or three out of four home games, two in a row with Troy, who know I mean, everybody's going to come to see the uh, season opener, but no one's going to go to Central Arkansas and Tulsa. So staggering those more, maybe it's a neutral site game. But I think the biggest thing Ole Miss could do is make the game day experience uh, more comfortable and more welcoming for fans. And what I mean by that is like, Give make do some deals, do some coupons. Um, and, and I think the most fun game day experience for me right now in sports is a Braves game because I took my family for July 4th. And July 4th for baseball is like Christmas morning because everybody wants to do what on July 4th? Eat hot dogs, drink beer, shoot fireworks, and watch some baseball. That's what you do. It's America's pastime and it's America's holiday, so everybody celebrates it with baseball. So we go down there, and it was packed out. But even if you didn't get into the game, we're going to the game immediately. The Battery Atlanta, which is this multi-use development around Truist Park, there's so much to do, right? So right now at Ole Miss, you have two things to do on game day. The Grove, where you got a tailgate, you got to probably set up your own stuff and cook for yourself and all that kind of stuff, and then go to the game. And in the game, it's hot as hell. There's not a lot of relief from that heat. There's some things you could do as a university. First, making things cheaper. That's the obvious and staggering schedules. But maybe find ways to engage your fans more in and around the stadium. Maybe that means doing a whole big fun zone for kids. I don't know. Uh, the Braves have that. They also have restaurants all around. They've got um, a big field with a huge concert-looking screen for fans that can't get into the game but want to be there in the atmosphere to watch the game and feel a part of it. There are m many ways in which to do this to where you could get more fans, but this is not just a unique Ole Miss problem. This is a college football problem. But but look, they, they've done kids' own stuff there. We took our daughter to all the stuff, and it was great. Um, you know, and you put a giant jumbotron up outside the stadium with a game on it, and less people are going to go in. Um, well, they're already doing that. They're doing that in the Grove. So, hell, just put a freaking screen up there in that concert stage in the Grove. Do something. Yeah. Yeah, you could possibly do that, but you're not getting more fans in the stadium by doing that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the issue is. Um, do the Arena Football League thing with the tat pad. You're not knocking it down. Just hollow yeah. it out. And when it's so hot, the 11,000 people that are going to come and stay the whole game, because what, 11,000 people were left at the end of Tulsa? This is a joke. I'm not really meaning this sincerely. But hollow out the tad pad arena football it and let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it, it it's been priced out of the, yes, the average person's realm of, of abilities. I, I mean, I don't care what you say, you know, and, and maybe from the inside looking out, you're getting million dollar donations, 10,000 here, a hundred thousand there. You think everybody can afford that and they can't. Uh, and, the, and look, it goes with the college kids, too. A large majority of those college kids, they're, they're skirting by. Okay, they're getting school paid for with Pell Grants and 
loans and all that good stuff. But you know, they're 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 hustling, they're waiting tables at Pizza Hut at night, and it still costs them money to go to a game. Uh, not as much money as it costs you, the average fan, but it still costs them money. And they have to make decisions on on where they're gonna spend their money. I totally get it. I understand. Um, there's a lot of entertainment dollars out there that are that are now in play because there are so many other things to do to be entertained, Ben. I mean, it is not, and it pains me to say that it's not 1985 anymore. You know, there weren't video games. There weren't places Every to game be. on television. Quad yeah, every, boxes with ESPN where you can watch all the games from the comfort of your home. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's a different era, and live attendance for college football is not adjusted to that yet. Will it? Yeah, it better, or it's just going to become a TV sport played in front of half-full stadiums. And, you know, the, 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 the more well-heeled alumni fans can go and partake in it live, whereas the, 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 the average fan with the average job is not going to have the money to do it maybe cheaper tickets and look i haven't purchased a the vendor situation at vaught hemingway but why does a a glass a a plastic cup of coca-cola cost eight dollars with a with 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 10 cents worth of ice and 10 cents worth of fluid in it I remember back in 2019, Ole Miss played at Auburn, and uh, my wife and daughters were were sitting in the in the in the stands. And after the game, my wife told me I couldn't believe it. A Coke was two bucks, a hamburger was three. And, and, I mean, five dollars. You get a Coke and a hamburger at Ole Miss, and you've gone through a twenty. I think, I, I think that's the situation. And again, I preface this with saying I haven't been down there in, in the lines. But those are the type of things you hear. You know what I love about the pavilion is that you can walk around the pavilion and still, like, peek into the game. Like, you can lean in and see what's going on and keep continue your walk. Yeah. And, that's, and, and what the pavilion reminds me of a lot is, like, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And a lot of these NFL stadiums, the the new stadiums, they're all indoors. They've got a retractable roof. Now, college can't do that. They, they, well, they could. <laughs> I guess they could. Um, yeah. but, but their money is focused elsewhere. We're talking about NIL, making sure the players get paid so they can get them on their campuses and win games. But if you wanted to do something like that, could you imagine a little bit bigger pavilion-type stadium? But that's a multi-million dollar. Probably it'll never happen. It's pie in the sky. It would, if it costs that much to knock down Tad Smith Coliseum, can you imagine what it would cost to knock down Vaught Hemingway? Holy cow. So it's never going to happen. But, heck, man, if, if you want to address the biggest issues, comfortability is the biggest issue, in my opinion, because it's not just sitting in the heat. Those, those metal bleachers suck. They're not comfortable. More chairbacks than there ever have been at Vaught Hemingway Stadium. But there are ways to make it a better fan experience. But all that stuff costs money, money that is being more, I mean, that's being allocated and focused more in more important and prioritized directions, specifically speaking of NIL. So there is no easy fix other than doing whatever you can to make it a much more customer pleasing experience. 
Because again, a family of four, holy cow, what, what are you going to spend four grand in a month? Yeah, people get on the message boards griping about people not being there. And, 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 you know, that's, that's the reality of it, Ben. I mean, four straight home games. Who's got $4,000 to just, you know, do away with like that? The common fan has been forgotten in 2022 with college football, but hey, I have no doubt Keith Carter and company are working at it. We've gone this long on an overreaction Monday, and the only overreaction we've gotten is me saying, hey, I feel a little bit better today than I did Saturday. Give me David Johnson's one overreaction before we get out of here. Hottest overreaction would be the concern that's out there regarding Jackson Dart and whether or not he's ready to play against SEC opponents. Um, I think Lane Kiffin has has nursed this guy along. I think we're going to see Jackson Dart have the biggest game of his young Ole Miss career on Saturday versus Kentucky. Dart is going to sniff uh, 250 yards through the air. He's going to run for another 50. Jackson Dart is ready for prime time is what David Johnson is saying. You got it. That's it. If he goes for 250 and 50 on the ground, they're winning that game pretty easily, in my opinion. Might win that, that game by 11 points. Double digits. So are you hammering Ole Miss at six and a half? No, I think it's right. I mean, look, Lane told us way back in fall camp, these non-conference games were kind of like the preseason. I think you're going to see Ole Miss play a complete game. We've already seen them play a complete game that – win at Georgia Tech, but this is going to be their most complete game of the year. Jackson Dart will be ready. Ole Miss scores a late touchdown, and they win this thing by double digits, 10 or more. That's what I'm saying. Reset the board as we enter another week of Ole Miss football and Ole Miss football coverage. What can Ole Miss fans expect coverage-wise from us this week on our respective sites? Yeah, man, you know, we're all going to do the same thing. We're going to grind. Lane's going to talk to us about uh, 10 after 12 today. And uh, we'll talk to him again Wednesday on the SEC media conference call. Uh, He'll speak again on Thursday night on David Kellum's Rev Talk. Um, We'll have all that for you. We'll have the player interviews. We'll look at Kentucky from the inside. Uh, We'll talk to some people at Kentucky get their opinion on this game as well. And uh, Little Bird told me this is going to be a huge recruiting day for the Ole Miss Rebels. I can't wait to see some of the names of some of these prospects who are going to be there Saturday. It's not a coincidence that Ole Miss is rolling out its real tree uniforms, including that baller light blue and white mesh helmet this weekend for the big recruiting weekend. Well, and uh, we're going to try to stripe out the stadium. Um, Others have been very successful at it. I think we will be, too, um, as long as uh, everybody buys a seat and stays there for four quarters. Let's do it this weekend. I get it if you can't, though. We totally get it if you can't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've said that. I understand. (laughs) I do understand that. Look, I'm, I'm telling you. And, and, and I mean, I think I'm, I'm, I'm paid rather handsomely for the job I do, but I, I don't know how many family ticket packages I could purchase to go to every Ole Miss game. That's tough. There are eight home games this year. 
I get why you're budgeting right now for football because it's 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 a hefty price to pay right now. It, it is tough, and and look, like I've I've had two kids in college for like the last seven years. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I still have one in college, uh, and, and and I've got one that's 22 and and about to get married that just got out of college, and uh, and I've got an eight year old, and their needs come before anything else and everybody else is like that you're going to take care of your family first that's that's all there is to it and uh you know if i can save 50 75 bucks if i'm if i'm a 22 year old college kid and go to lamar yard and drink and eat and watch it on tv with my friends in a very comfortable environment versus not doing that and going to the game i get that i understand that but if you're wanting to be one of those that do your part, that you say, "Hey, I, what can I do to help Ole Miss be successful?" Well, this is the weekend. These are one. Of, this is one of the weekends to do it. Go to Kentucky. If you haven't been able to go, I get it. Budget to go to Kentucky. But uh, we everybody got to show a little bit more, uh, a little bit more understanding. And, and you know, I don't like the whole Lane Kiffin talking about the attendance and stuff. I get why he does it. He's got to market his program, and um, but it, but it's a lot easier to say from a podium, the comfort of a podium and seven and a half million dollars than, than a normal person who just can't Correct. afford to do that. So I, I think the whole situation, everybody needs to chill with it. Um, Kentucky's going to be close to a sellout, I would assume. Um, if it's not, then it's a deeper problem. We can talk about it. Do you like the real tree helmets? I, I don't want to see them three and four times a year. Um, I'm, I'm a powder blue Navy helmet kind of guy, but um you know, yeah, pulling out your bag of tricks a couple times a year is fine. I think it's fine. I like that Ole Miss has created multiple uniform options for itself. That's been great. Ole Miss has always had multiple uniform options, whether they be red jerseyed or blue jerseyed at home. Um, or Come on, baby. man. It was red, white, and blue, and then occasionally you got some ugly-ass grays. Yeah, I keep hearing we're going to work lime green in there uh, at some point. I just kid, but – I'm glad you, know, you clarified that because I was like, God, am I going to have to say he's joking? Because <laughs> I could just see the message board post. What? Oh, yeah. What are you yeah. saying, Davidson? Green? Lime green and pink. What are we talking about here? But you know what? You've got the best uniform in college football. You've got the best jersey in college football. you got two of the best helmets in college football. Don't tinker with it much is all I'm saying. Look, it's fine. If you want to wear – real tree camo jock straps a game or whatever you want to do that's fine i don't i don't i don't, I don't know about that with white pants yeah you have you have your whole team running around in camo powder blue and white thongs i mean come the hell on david oh we'll have a topic of discussion after the game about the uniforms there's no doubt about it but um you know, you got the best looking classic uniform in all of college football, in my opinion. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an old Miss fan. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> I, maybe I am, but I love the uniform. Thank God. I mean, I mean, not not that, not to bring this up, but I will. I, You're going to talk about the state uniforms. They look like shit. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm definitely doing that. Maroon and white, and what they've done with them, and they they can't ever capture a classic essence. Uh, they tried to do a a throwback uniform Saturday that just kind of looked it looked like kindergartners drew an M and an S on the side of the helmet. Um, you know we're fortunate here. 
that we've got rich colors, a great color scheme and, and, and some great traditional looks. And I'm more of a traditionalist. I don't mind throwing in a uniform or two throughout the course of the season because I know kids like that, prospects like it. But, you know, be cool with it. And, 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 and I'm not terribly disinterested in the white pants. I, I don't mind the white pants. I thought what they wore Saturday versus Tulsa was very good looking. The navy and white was a good scheme. Um, just don't go, don't go crazy with it. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna look up one day and we're gonna have a sticker of juice on the side of our helmets. Uh, that would be going a bridge too far. But you know, they had visors always... with "Come to the Sip" in them on Saturday. That's awesome. That's great. That, that's cool. That's good messaging. That's not the uniform we play in, though. You know, but but Lane's done a good job of paying homage to the traditional uniform. I will say, I thought I was a powder blue guy until Ole Miss wore Navy again. I am so glad we haven't seen the powder blue jerseys yet. It's not an Ole Miss color. You know, we've just adopted it over the course of the last 10 years. It all started with Mike Bianco, which I don't mind in baseball because, hey, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, all the major league teams on the road, except the Yankees, had a powder blue road uni. So, you know, that's all cool as far as I'm concerned there, even though I, I'll be uh, interested to see how much they wear the powder blues this year for baseball, just because Navy Jersey white bottoms, they wore it all the way to the, to the, to the finish line and won it all. Um, so you got you to gotta pay homage to that too. So what if Lane Kiffin saw that Ole Miss baseball utilized the Navy and white to go on a magical run. Remember, Ole Miss baseball was really bad, 7-14 and 14 at one point in the SEC in May, and they won a national championship wearing navy and white. Maybe the, uh, reintroducing the navy and white is not so subtly Lane Kiffin saying, we're going on a national championship run here. Okay, I'm not even going to comment on that. It's overreaction Monday, David. That's what we're supposed yeah. to do. Well, there's your overreaction right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Lane is very uh, single-minded of purposeness, if you will. He wants to go one and zero this week. Yeah. And, uh, okay. All right. You're no fun. You forget. I am. I am on drugs this morning. <laughs> so, uh, you know, anything I say, forgive me, um, because uh, I'm not right. <laughs> <laughs> zombie David was here for Overreaction yeah. Monday. I, I have been a zombie through this whole talk here. Um, Anyway, yeah, forgive me if I've upset your your fan allegiances or or anything of that nature. No, no, you know what? You showed up and showed out. You won the day. I, did. I showed up. I won the day. I love it. I love it. That's a good 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 spot to end on there. Yeah, it is. He's David Johnson. He writes for Inside the Rebels two four seven. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben at Rebels two four seven. I write for the Old Miss Spirit on three. Thank you, man. I'll see you later this week. Yes, sir. And I will be sober. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.